Welcome to another episode of Infinity X, where we give a stage and microphone to human excellence in the pursuit of never-ending opportunities and merging ecosystems with world-renowned entrepreneurs and influencers. Now, here's your host, David Harder. Okay, happy Tuesday, everybody, and welcome to another session of Infinity X, where we give a stage and microphone to human excellence in the pursuit of creating infinite sales opportunities by introducing megapreneurs uh, to merge ecosystems and to create opportunity for additional sales appointments. Uh, from the Howard Halls of Epic Financial Strategies podcast studio, we are Infinity X. We come at you every Tuesday. And in the pursuit of human excellence, I would be remiss if I didn't say that we have a stage and microphone tonight with absolute human excellence. We are joined by the CEO of Make Sales Great Again, Mr. Todd Speciale. Todd, what's up, brother? How are you tonight, my friend? Hey, I couldn't be happier to be here, man. Thanks for having me on board. And uh, I'm excited about what tonight's going to offer people. Me too. Me too. And uh, for those of you who um, are entrepreneurs running businesses, you have to follow Todd on social media, on Instagram, on the Gut Check Uncut podcast. He's doing massive things and he's got a great message. And, you know, Todd, um, you know, success leaves clues, right? And, and I always love to get to know the individual and the individual journey, because I think that it speaks such volumes about the, about the, 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 the person that you stand as today. So if you wouldn't mind, uh, just share with us a little bit about, you know, where you're from, where'd you grow up? Yeah, so I was born in uh, upstate New York in Rochester, and uh, I moved to Missouri for about eight years. They call it misery for a reason. Please don't, <laughs> don't move there if you aren't from there. Uh, but, you know, I'm a New Yorker through and through, man. You know, I moved out to Florida in 1998. Um, and, you know, my, my life is, is you know, I don't have any more of a special story, if you will, than anybody else. I truly believe that everybody's story is equally relevant. And, uh, but me, I grew up a little differently, man. I grew up in the streets and, you know, my parents were, I always say were super rich in love. They weren't, uh, didn't have a ton of money and we grew up in humble beginnings. Um, but I was selling vacuum sweepers door to door until one day I walked by a pool hall at 15 years old. And, uh, my mother had breast cancer and my dad, uh, you know, had a dream of opening up a food truck and was, had the entrepreneurial mindset, just never got it going. And, uh, I walked by a pool hall one day and I saw a ton of cash on a table. And I said, well, shit, I got to learn how to, 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 to gamble and make some money. So <laughs> I walked in the pool hall at 15 years old. And, uh, you know, by 17, uh, you know, I, I was winning tournaments pretty much all across the state of uh, Missouri. I was driving to Kansas City and Jefferson City. And I was playing games like cribbage and pinochle and talk. And, you know, I grew up playing just about everything, every card game there was. And realized that pool was geometry and mm-hmm. winning that gambling is just simple math. So I got really good at math, but a lot of people ask me, you know, where did you learn to negotiate yourself so good? Well, I have no college degree. I uh, wasn't the smartest guy in high school, uh, but I learned the art of negotiation and sales in a pool at a very young age. If I'm better than you at pool or a game, yeah. we have to negotiate what's called weight, you know, and, if, and weight just is like a handicap. It helps people kind of even out the bet. And that the street name for that is called weight. Yep. So I had to negotiate with you, Dave, if you were worse than me at pool, to make you believe it was a really good opportunity to play me, but I knew that I had, you know, I had the winning hand, if you will, right? God, I would have been easy prey because I really suck at pool, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because, you know, my mother ran a bunch of bowling centers for years, and, uh, you know, I always laugh at this joke when I get on stage, people say, well, what, you know, what were you good at? Well, you know, I, I bowled, I uh, played pool, I was really good at card games, math and numbers. And uh, everybody says, well, do you have any records on anything? Well, I do have 23 sanctioned 300 perfect bowling games. I was on wow. for a while. And uh, people go, well, dude, how'd you get your wife? And I said, well, it's easy. I mean, I just told her I was a professional bowler. I mean, if that I'm a professional athlete, right? It creates some uh, capital. Right? Eight million of us. And dude. I'm in the bowling hall of fame in the computer, but you know. Oh. Yeah. But, uh, my hey, for those of you who don't know, by the way, a 300 bowling, in, I mean, I think my best score ever is about a 120, right? So a 300 <laughs> is pretty much like next level good, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, was, uh, well, you know, I would go there after school 
and at a very young age and uh, not to get too deep into like bowling and the pool hall scene. But, you know, I realized very quickly that I was competitive in everything and I'm a perfectionist. When I start something, I want to be the best at it, right? Yeah. I'm 45 years old today. I still have that same mindset. I rush thoroughly into things. Um, I have my cards that kind of balance me out. I'm the guy that wants to run through the wall, but I have very, uh, I would say, sound business partners uh, that really kind of hold me to uh, to my strengths, right? Stay in your lane, if you will. But yeah, man, I grew up in a, in a pool hall. I grew up on the streets and I, you know, I was playing dice in the streets, the card games, pretty much everything, which I personally believe, it's my humble opinion, that mm. that was the best education that I could have ever gotten. So, yeah, you know, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, I was, um, you know, we are a financial, a one-stop shop financial planning services firm called Epic Financial Strategies and Epic Wealth Management. And um, I was having a conversation, Todd, just before with a young, a young individual who was introduced to us from another ecosystem and is 20, you know, 23 years old and is still in school and was afforded, um, you know, fortunately for him, um, you, you know, a, a substantial amount of wealth uh, gifted to him at a relatively young age. And it's created for him some opportunity for himself, right? But he is still at, you know, in college. And he was telling me how, you know, higher education today does, you know, it, it doesn't, it, it was the thing that we did when we were younger. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just, you went to either, you went to high school or you went to college just because that was the thing to do. But in today's world, people are questioning that because the higher education is not teaching you what you need preparation for in industries like yours and in industries like ours, right? The street and or the living room and 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 being live is the best education that you'll ever get. I have a question for you. And so I love that you're from Rochester, brother. That's where my father originally is from um you know my uh, my grandfather i don't know if you know the law firm harder seacrest i don't know if you've heard of that it was uh it was based up in rochester and their biggest client was the strong foundation and marge and and marge strong um and you know he my grandfather unfortunately passed away at a relatively young age but he always said that one of the he always shared with my father that one of the things that was his biggest regrets is that he didn't do more um and you know that he didn't take more chances right had opportunities but didn't take more chances and i've heard that time and time and time again and as you were coming up Right. And as you were you, you were learning, uh, you know, obviously, the, not only the pool game, but also really the entrepreneurial game. What were some of the tough lessons that you learned at a young age that you look back and you say, wow, that really shaped me for being the, the, the killer, not only sales coach, trainer, but individual that you are now? Yeah. So good question. I, you know, I, I've uh, been asked this question before, and I will tell you. The common response is, you know, um, losing allowed me to learn how to win, right? Mm, so yeah. Going to pool hall, I'm 15, almost 16 years old. I'm getting about $25 a week, $5 a day for uh, lunch money. I know some of you kids that are listening to this are going to go, well, holy shit, how'd you, how'd you live? <laughs> Back then, that was money, right? So I would save literally 25 bucks a week. I'd walk into a pool hall as I was learning, as a fun fact. I play pool left-handed, but I'm right-handed. I, oh. I didn't know how to hold the pool stick. You were right? that guy, right? That's like the, the yeah. guy who plays baseball that bats lefty, but but throws righty, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but the truth was, I didn't know how to hold the pool stick. So, you know, going in there, I would constantly lose every single week. And, and the guys in the pool would laugh at me. they come in, they go, dude, you're 16 years old. You're losing $25 a week, $100 a month. You come in here and you play one set, which is a race to five, whoever wins five games first for $25. If I won, I kept playing. If I lost, I had to wait another week to be able to come back to gamble again because I had no money. Yeah. So I was like eating friends leftovers and all that other shit, you know? So uh, the hard lesson was learning how to capitalize on losses, right? A lot of people, you know, call them losses because that seems to be the common answer. For me, I don't call anything a loss. I call it a learning moment, right? Absolutely. And I realized that later in life that loss is not a loss. People say you got to lose to win. I don't believe you ever lose if you keep trying, right? Losing is just education. It's, it's really creating that mindset that's going to allow you to become, you know, that, that strong person that you know that you're capable of becoming. But people confuse loss with education, right? So we talk about what brought me up. Dude, I was, I was uh, 17 years old when I graduated high school. I was dropped off uh, from Missouri 
with a person that lived in a duplex next to my parents and I in Ackworth, Georgia to sell Bibles door to door, right? Wow. And they oh, dropped that. me off in a location at a gas station. I was living with a foster parent uh, family. Like my parents weren't uh, wealthy by any means, but the deal was there was an old guy named Mort Utley he used to run a sales and business school where they said they would teach you the art of sales and success if you just sold books and they would do it for you for free. So I started knocking doors and I realized very quickly that I was horrendous at sales. Right? I was not good. Uh, didn't know what I was doing. But the truth is one of the most difficult times of my life really shaped me to become the person I am today. And as I was uh, staying at this foster family's home, they were supposed to be feeding me. Now, the, the school would pay the foster family to keep me in a room, right? Like they're giving me a place to stay, if you will. Yeah. The family would get money. They're supposed to feed me. This family was horrible. They never gave me any food, never anything. And I literally had about $27 to my name when I went to Ackworth, which I'm sure you can know that that went very quickly. Yeah. And in the old days, they didn't allow us to uh, to take a check. And their sure shit wasn't credit card machines. So, yeah. I mean, they didn't allow us to take cash. And their sure shit wasn't credit card machines. So, we had to take a check. So it's not like I had any opportunity to get cash. So uh, not proud of this, but at, at uh, 17 years old, uh, just to eat, I was going into grocery stores and stealing ham packets and yeah. Yeah. just because I, I couldn't eat. And the crazy thing was the most uh, tough part, I believe, of my childhood was when I would call my parents collect, for those of you that are, are younger, uh, calling on a payphone, they could actually accept the phone call and charge your phone bill. Sure. But I would call them collect and my parents, I would hear them, they were crying on the phone because they couldn't afford to drive from Missouri to Atlanta to come pick up their son who they know is suffering and stealing food to eat. So I called a couple of girlfriends of mine, did what I did best. I sold them to get in their car, drive down to Ackworth, Georgia, <laughs> pick me up and bring me home. But dude, it was, it was a rough time, but it really shaped me. So the hard times, you know, the, uh, my mentor, Danelle Delgado, is, who's a champion, right? She always says the hard makes you strong. I have lived by that my entire life. The hard doesn't mean loss. The hard is just educating you on how to be strong. And I do want to kind of add what you said to the college degree. Look, it's not a bad thing to have a college degree. It's not a horrible thing to go to college and education. I know that's not what you meant, but, but here's what I would tell people. My, my, my thought process in college is this. If you want to be a, a molecular engineer, if you will, right, go to school for a specific thing, but don't go to school for a business degree. You know, don't go right. to school for some yeah. broad ass degree because I've got friends of mine that swore they wanted to be attorneys and this is no disrespect to anybody who has a business degree out there, but I'm sure they can tell you and other people will tell you that the majority of people go for just random degrees just to say they have a college education. They're the ones struggling. Yes. So I partnered with a company called Apex Roofing, which I'm the chief sales officer for. And yeah. Apex, the owner of Apex is an unbelievable guy, the CEO and owner, just two amazing individuals. And what, what really made the decision for me to partner with these guys and be a part of their unbelievable company is that the owner says, I've made more money than I can ever make. Yes. He's younger than me, 40, some, 40 years old, I believe. He's a brilliant human being. But one of the cool things that he said to me, which really kind of sold me on the opportunity to work with them, was the fact that he said, man, I've made so much money in my life that I can just retire and relax and just kick back, right? He goes, but I, I, was, he, I remember telling me, I remember talking to my wife and I felt so unfulfilled because when people tell you that money don't make you happy, they're lying. It's way easier to live with money than it is without it. You guys know Amen. the financial industry. Yep. That being said, he goes, now that I've earned it, what am I, what am I to do now? Am I just going to vacation? He goes, I want to impact lives. Yes. He told me two years from now, he wanted me to help him create and the company create like an, uh, a university, if you will, to kind of shape people's lives. He goes, I want to teach people the art of financial literacy. He goes, I want to teach them how to sell, you know? And it's funny that we say this because I was speaking at an event, not the same event, but another event in, uh, uh near Harvard university. And there's a cool story about, uh, you know, uh, Warren Buffett, who was on stage and he was speaking to all the Harvard grads. Yeah. And he said, look, I'm going to do about a 45 minute keynote. When I get done speaking, I'm going to let 20 people top in the class, ask me a question. And he said, and one, and, and to fast forward, he got done with the event. The last person asked a question is valedictorian of Harvard university. And the question that was asked was, I know that I have this amazing degree and I have all of this education. What is the one real world skill that I'll need in order to put this thing to work and really win at life? 
And Warren Buffett's answer was, you need to learn how to sell. <clears throat> I love that. Yes. And he sat back yes. and he goes, and a lot of people are like, dude, I, I mean, I'm a Harvard grad. I spent a half a million on my education. I'm brilliant. I know shit that other people don't know. Yep. Well, guess what? People that know how to sell no shit that you don't know. Just because you're educated. A lot of people says, I'm not in sales. Dude, you've been in sales your entire life. I mean, you know, uh, Victor Antonio, I want to give credit for this. He's one of the best sales trainers on the planet. You know, I had him on my podcast and he goes, dude, when you're a baby and you're crying, you're selling. When you're 16 yeah. and you want to use mom's car and I'll clean the room, you're selling, right? When you go to an interview, you're selling yourself, right? There's everybody is in sales. They just may not know it. But it's the real world skill that you need to have. And Apex is a company that wants to give people that platform where they can actually learn and choose college or choose Apex. And I'd like to just give uh, Grant, the owner of Apex, and, and Aaron, these guys that run this company, a huge shout out because they're looking to, to, to really shape lives and give them the skills that college does not teach you. And that's really the biggest takeaway from uh, from me and my growth, for sure. Incredible, incredible golden nuggets, guys. So this is Todd Speciale. He, the podcast is uh, Gut Check Uncut. He's the CEO of Make Sales Great Again, which we're going to hit on in a couple moments. Uh, the chief sales officer at Apex. Uh, Apex is it restoration and roofing, Todd? Yeah, roofing and restoration. Yes, roofing sir. and restoration. So talk to me about how that opportunity found you right because you're in a spot where you know you're in a spot and you're in georgia you're you're selling bibles door to door which is hard as hell you know um and 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 listen any type of door-to-door sales hardens you beyond belief right i don't care if it's if you if you're selling solar if you're selling bibles whatever it is there's there's no greater challenge in sales than doing it door-to-door but how did apex come into your world and what and and what did it what what was your acclimation into the company like? When did you really start to turn the corner on being a good to great salesman? Yeah, so, you know, I, I tell people two, two things to be the best at sales these days is honesty and integrity. That's it. Yes. Okay? yes. There are so many people in the world today who lie to earn a living in sales and they're not great closers, they're not great salespeople, they're great liars, okay? There is a massive difference you know, uh, Apex was an unbelievable opportunity. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I hope I die Apex because of the brand and the people and everything else. They're just an unbelievable organization. Uh, but I will tell you this, you know, it's funny where you get an opportunity to work with someone. I always say you work with people, not for them. I hate the term work for people. Uh, you, no one works for anybody. I also hate titles. You know, chief sales officer, CEO, well, you got to have a title. It's Todd and David. It's Todd and Stefan. It's Todd and Jim. It's Todd and Klaus, right? That, that, that's all it is. Titles mean nothing. But when that opportunity arose, it was because of two things. One, I had a really, really good friend who was in my wedding who was already working for Apex. He kind of mentioned to me uh, there was an opportunity there. They wanted to talk to me, and I thought it was just for consulting to make sales great again. It was never an interview. It was never a job opportunity. It was really just to kind of go in there, talk to them, help their company scale, do what I do best, right? Uh, yep. Not sales companies, car sales, et cetera. Uh, but then the, you know, the owner, uh, you know, flew into town. We sat with him and his entire team. And it was about a four and a half month long process before we finally negotiated uh, proper terms and where everybody wanted to be, to be happy and move forward with this company. So it, it was through a multitude of social media, uh, like-minded relationships. And, and uh, it was funny, it's such a small world that, you know, you could have someone in, I, I mean, when I got into timeshare, I had someone that was in China that mm. looked at my social media who moved back to Orlando, who I actually did some work, work with. So it was a massive reach between social media and just some compatibility that really worked out. And from a social media perspective, when did you start to see, well, first of all, when did you identify that marketing because you got about what 50 almost 50,000 followers on Instagram right and then you know YouTube and you know all the other platforms that you have talk a little bit about when you discovered that social media based marketing for make sales great again and for your brand was going to be something that was going to be a major focal point for you but then also uh, just spend a little bit of time, if you could, sharing about what your strategy was, because, you know, listen, if you go into any business, you have to map out a game plan. You have to have a strategy for it. Social media is no different. It's a business by itself. So spend a little bit of time, if you could, talking to us about what you did to build out that strategy and in moving into social media. Sure. Yeah. So uh, you're right. Uh, the biggest mistake that I've ever made when it comes to marketing social media is 
not having a strategy. So you really nailed it, right? Uh, it's funny, when I started writing motivational posts, my dad passed away in 2017 and he was my hero, right? Still is my hero in heaven. And I was writing a book and uh, the story is talked about a lot, but I was writing a book and I was just procrastinating like everybody else. Uh, I wrote the book, Things I Do Know, uh, and it was just a mindset for development of success. And uh, then I wrote another book for the timeshare industry, which was just a guide to success to keep them on track. And I remember I was just procrastinating. My dad, uh, you know, was laying on his deathbed one day and he basically said to me, he said, hey, Todd, you know, uh, I want you to write the book and finish it. I want you to speak, wow. which I've never spoken on stage before. I had spoken for a lot of sales teams and organizations I worked for. Uh, notice I said for not with, which is the reason yeah. why I got out of them, right? Yes, um, yes. Because there's a yes. difference between working for and working with someone, right? Totally. And, uh, you know, he said, I want you to tell the story and how you grew up, and I want you to really impact lives. So I'm going to tell a very long story short, but uh, it's crazy how something so catastrophic has to happen in our lives in order for us to change who we are right? Or at least light up the fire in this. It's like your life can be going in all these great directions. And isn't it funny how one thing happens and That's you're like, woe is me. My life sucks. It's all over again. You forget about all the good shit in your life, right? Amen. Like yep. clothes on, totally on the table, people to come home to, TV to watch. You know, we forget about all those little things. So not having a strategy when I got in this was going gun, uh, fast forward. My dad died uh, I wrote my book in 30 days on Amazon bestseller for about nine and a half months. It was really cool. It was up there with the Cardone and, and uh, you know, top secrets to, to marketing success, which I had no clue about, which was really cool. <laughs> um, I, I put my own speaking event together, which was 300 people that uh, were really just friends and family supporting me. It wasn't really people buying tickets. I lost my ass on it because I didn't have a, a an action plan. But it's funny when I started motivational uh, posts, it was with uh, zero uh, gauge on, on how it was going to impact lives. I didn't know. Mm. So I remember I was the guy that was, and before I started, this is 2007, eight-ish, whatever, uh, that was getting wasted, drunk downtown, punching people and fighting them back. <laughs> like that was me. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I remember the first motivational post that I posted. I remember getting messages on Facebook Messenger, and it was like, Todd, uh, the, 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 this is not you. <laughs> like, what yeah, like who are you and what have you done with Todd, right? You know? You're like, dude, you're not a motivational guy. Like, what? You're just full of shit. Like, take that post down, right? And then I realized about 30 days later, I continued to just keep doing it and keep doing it. And I started doing it for my sales team in the timeshare industry. And I started like really just trying to do it to motivate them. And I would tag them. And I got a message about 45 days in, and someone reached out to me and she goes, uh, Todd, I haven't spoken to you in 20 years. So we went to high school together in Missouri. But one of your motivational posts, I read, and I need you to know that I was getting ready to commit suicide. Wow. I, I read your post, and I get the chills even now talking about it. She goes, I read your post, and you need to know you saved my life. So from that point forward, without a guide to putting money in my pocket and putting people first, I realized the action plan was sometimes it's okay not to have the action plan. Sometimes it's okay just to do things, to touch lives, and that's what I wanted to do. And if it was just that one life that I impacted, I was going to continue to do it. So I started posting motivational posts, and I started wasting a shit ton of money on, on marketing because I didn't know how to do it. I started posting ads. I started doing everything. It just didn't pan out. So I would tell anybody that if you're looking to really just kind of scale your social media, it needs to be done organically. Don't buy fake followers. Don't die. It does nothing for you. The fake it till you make it bullshit is just irrelevant. Yep. Uh, but you need to get someone that's good at that. And that's what I did. So I hired a PR team and I hired some people to kind of help me scale that. But I've always posted. I've got a girl that helps me out now, Gut Check Uncut. She helps post on our Gut Check Uncut uh, Instagram page that we just uh, opened a couple months back. Uh, and she does post a few things for me, but 97% of everything I post is still myself. Yep. And I do it because I want people to know that it's coming for me. So you got to market right, get someone to help you if you don't know how to do it, but you can't make money. I want to be very clear. You can't make money without marketing that gets you leads in order to create sales. Unbelievable. Sales people are going to go where the leads are. They're not going to go where, you know, the commission's the highest. You can tell me you're going to pay me 100% commission. If you've got no leads and there's no opportunity, there's no reason to work with you. 
Okay. Hey. I'd rather make 20% and have the leads come in day, day in and day out. And there's a lot of companies that make mistakes that way. So mastery marketing and the sales process was huge, but to get back to sales, the integrity and the honesty portion of it is why I created make sales great again. There are way too many companies lying to people. The salesman, uh, you know, kind of mentality was for people that weren't in sales. If they, if you said I'm in sales, they look down on you. Like for instance, Dave, if I asked you, what is the worst title you could have in the sales industry? Like, is it insurance, car sales, time share? Like, what, what do you think it is? Uh, insurance salesman. Insurance salesman, probably. Insurance salesman? Right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's close. It's probably up in the top three. But yep. the number one to date as of right now, worst title to hold in the sales industry is used car salesman. Yeah. And that's the worst one to have, right? And you know what I tell people? I tell them that's because they haven't met a timeshare salesperson yet. <laughs> because there are people that are just blatantly stealing from people and they're putting them on these hundred thousand dollar programs and 19 20 percentage they're blatantly robbing people and there's a lot of people that do the things the right way but you want sales to stick just create an honesty and integrity platform where people want to work with you because people don't expect honesty anymore they expect people to lie and when you're honest and you're upfront with them and you you'll get more sales by telling people what not what your product or service won't do then what it will. And that's honesty. And that's how you create a sales platform. that's going to scale. Uh, the, the golden nuggets in that were, I, I, I don't have enough pen and paste paper to, uh, to write down all the different uh, takeaways that we had from that. But um, Todd, this is um, the, the stars really aligned here because I want to introduce you to my partner, Rob Gill. So Rob is the founder of Epic Financial Strategies. What's up, um, Rob is doing, an absolute master in, in, in integrity, integrity-based human influence. Um, but he also has built a social media presence that is real, raw dog. And this man will never not be him. And that is something that I think has really, really helped to grow his brand. But it's an app. What the things that you were just sharing, I'm sitting here thinking about my partner the entire time. So, Rob, I'm going to yeah. turn it over to you and allow you to get acclimated with Todd. Yeah, Todd, listen, I, I love your energy, by the way, just hearing you um, as I just stepped in a couple of minutes ago. Um, infectious energy, no doubt about it. Voice tonality off the charts Thank um, you. and being able to speak about, you know, having sales as you know, being a birthright and sales is sexy, right? So it doesn't have to have a dirty word, right? And when it comes to, um, you know, hearing you out and, and you're building out your different uh, platforms, um, I, I thought I heard you mention Instagram most recently. Um, I love the fact that you had a, a 300 person family and friends event that was for the people that loved you. And I love the fact that as I'm hearing you, you failed upwards and learned everything what not to do. That's, that's what I'm, as I'm understanding it right now. Yes, sir. Um, what I really, what I really enjoyed was when you kind of spoke about like the toughest industries in sales and, um, you know, just being yourself and, and obviously the story about the person from high school is an incredible testimony. Um, you know, just, just, just unbelievable, uh, to be able to, um, to have that gift and, uh, use this platform. Cause I know a lot of times, you know, in the past, before we actually had a structure, you know, we used to post and pray, um, but now we post with a purpose. And to your point, um, you know, I think that all the different strategies and how you could take all the different platforms, integrate and coordinate them, them into your messaging and being authentic and your real self is, is always going to win the day over the long term. You know, success leaves clues. Uh, I had the good fortune Thursday night of speaking in a gala in New York City. Uh, my partner, I don't, I'm not sure if you're familiar with a gentleman by the name of Sean Callagher. He's the founder of Unblinded. No. It's a peak performance coaching company for corporate executives on really how to go from hello to yes with integrity. And I knew Sean before he started that. And um, he's a partner here in our financial planning practice. But he's on a mission, um, a lot of stuff that you're sharing he would love. And he gave me the, the ability to introduce him in front of... Um, this is meaningful to us in New York City area. I'm not really sure how old you are, but I was able to, to introduce him in front of Lawrence Taylor, you know, New York Giants legend, Harry Carson, Eric Dickerson, Rex Ryan. There was 300 people in a room. Um, Clemens. Roger Clemens, that was unreal. Um, Lee Steinberg, who's the number one sports agent in the country. He's, uh, he's what Jerry Maguire, the movie was about. I uh, spoke on stage with Lee. 
and yeah. I met Roger a couple times. They're both great people, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I had the, I sat next to Lee for 30 minutes, you know what I mean? And got his number and everything. I'm going to a Super Bowl party. Um, and Roger is, you know, doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes with my partner, Sean. The point is that only happened because of integrity. And it's been a slow roll for us. I mean, we we met Sean in 2017, it's 2021 right now. Um, and along the way, you know, we've been able to merge ecosystems with like minded individuals and part of our success has been uh, one of our other partners, Chris Crone. He's a you know top 20 YouTube worldwide influencer, uh, big real estate peak performance coach, strategist, really a phenomenal entrepreneur. But he began to put us on his channel. And you know we just created financial education conversations. And, and trust me, you know when you look at life insurance, um, people have to contemplate their own death. So I like to change the words. And instead of saying passing away, we say, as uh, Shakespeare once said, shuffle off this mortal coil. So, so that's how we've been able to use the words to work uh, in our favor. But a lot of folks out there that are listening right now um, that watch us often, and, and I think you're hitting the nail on the head when you're talking about in the space of social media, it takes time, T-I-M-E, things I must earn. There's no overnight success. And being genuine um, is the realest thing. So I, I'm, I'm going to ask for my, cause now I want to be coached by you. I'm going to ask you about your PR relationship and how that changed everything from a social media perspective. Yeah. So it was really just a massive vetting process because, you know, there's so many people in the sales world who will pitch something that they think is valuable so you, they can just get the cash. Right. Yep. And, you know, I did consulting for, you know, insurance company. I took, uh, their company from six reps to 134 agents in four months. We really scaled the team. That was all done through, you know, uh, just integrity-based sales process. But what, 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 if you don't mind, hold on a second. When did you do Incredible. Unbelievable. Yeah. When did you do that? Just curious. Uh, last year. So what kind of, wow. And w w <laughs> were you bringing on agents or like, agents. yeah. what type of insurance company was it? it if you insurance. Yeah. Um, it, was, six, it, was, it was with American Income Life. Six to 130. That's incredible. That yeah. is unbelievable. I think now let me ask you this in that space, what you just described. If and I'm not saying this wasn't the case, I'm, I'm trying to create something right here live on Facebook. In that space, if that company had solved for um, leads for these folks that you were bringing in that came through a conditioned pipeline, I'll call it. Mm -hmm. um, that came to wanting to have a conversation with the agent in a peak state, ready to listen to the good message. If you had that, as well as what you coach and train, what would it look like? So for example, if I said to you, hey, we have 2000 leads coming in a month and these aren't cold leads. These are people that want to hear the good message about overall planning. And we only have 20 agents right now. We need 40 or 50. How would that change your, your metric? Yeah. So it, it, look, you know, it's funny. Building sales teams is is easier than people think. And people think there's some magic sauce and there really isn't. Right. Um, what what you can't control is what the companies do when you build the sales teams and then your your kind of consulting gig is done. Right. It's yep. their job to hold on to those reps. And and uh, there are a lot of companies out there that are just great companies, but just don't know how to manage and leads, as we know, is a very important thing. The, the biggest problem, just to be clear with leads, is that, you know, you don't want people to become lead junkies either, right? The, the, the sales process is about pulling referrals and guaranteeing that you teach them how to pull referrals. And in the insurance business, as you guys know, referrals is just huge. And you're going to, you know, when you are cold calling, and that's what this company was, they said they would provide leads, but a lot of leads that they would provide weren't great leads. It was just a name and a phone number. To me, it's like when I was selling vacuum sleepers door to door, we used to open up the phone book. That's cold calling. You know, we just go ahead. For those of you that are young, the phone book's uh, gone now. But, <laughs> but it used to be this big piece of call through it. But I can scale 20 to 50 in any industry very quickly. But it's just through holding the leader's accountability for recruiting and just creating a platform that gives people an opportunity the right way. It's also working with leaders who believe and actually care about these people from a very personal standpoint. Forget the, forget the business and forget the profit. Yep. Profit to me is in impacting lives. You yep. want to keep someone long term in an organization, show them that you actually give a shit about who they are. 
Mm. Yes. You know, there's not really, I can teach the best to be masters at sales. Okay. I can teach anybody to sell. Anybody can learn how to sell. I don't care what anybody says. Yes. You said it earlier, voice tonality, all that stuff is going to make a difference in how good they are. We can teach that for the most part. What's very hard to do is to keep people on the straight and narrow. And in the financial industry, I think it was you that said insurance agent that might have been the number one worst uh, name. They're pretty close. Yeah. Because there are a lot of people out there pitching, let's call, uh, uh, for those of you that aren't in the insurance business, a non-par standard whole life policy, right? Uh, doesn't have, it's not attached to the S&P. It's not attached to the stock market. It's not attached to any bullshit, right? It's just probably one of the worst products to offer out there. But it, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that companies sell, right? And it's expensive compared to other you know, like IULs and stuff like that that are online. But when you're looking at the opportunity to sell this product, there are people saying that it is attached and you're going to get X amount of dollars back and they're going to pay you this monthly and yearly and like pitching it as a dividend. And that to me just makes people just the slimiest piece of shit on the planet, right? You got to pitch what the product does. If you're selling a product that you don't believe in, number one, get out of that business. You got to, you got to believe in it. Okay. So when you're talking about scaling people from 20 to 50, there's a lot of metrics that go into that, right? It's culture. I believe culture and leadership is the most important thing that any company could have. Uh, You want to work with a leader, not a boss. There's a massive difference. I'm sure that's regurgitated 8,000 different ways, but it's also very true. I'm a huge Simon Sinek fan and he talks about leadership. And, you know, when I've been on stage, when I was in LA, with Steinbrenner, you know, it was one of the first stages I was ever on. And I remember getting on, this guy calls me and he says, man, you know, you're going to be on stage with, with Ashton Kutcher and Ty Lopez, and Jack Canfield and Steinbrenner and all these guys. And the only event that I had done was the one in Orlando, which I put on for myself. So I'm like, <laughs> you know, I get a phone call. He's like, you're going to be on the, with Ashton Kutcher. I'm like, am I getting punked? And I hung up on the guy, right? Like, <laughs> like, why do you want Todd special, right? Who is Todd special? Because no one knew my name. But when I got out there and it was my wife's birthday, 2018, I flew out there and she says, babe, you got to go. You know, this is an opportunity of a lifetime. I remember getting on stage and I was about like the ninth or 10th speaker there. I was getting, uh, had a few vodkas, if you will. But what I realized quickly is that there are people that say they're leaders and that preach leadership and get on stage about leadership and they don't really uh, practice what they preach. There's a lot of people that talk a big game as leaders and they ruin companies. And when you talk about the metrics of scaling teams from 20 to 40 or to 50 or 60 or from 6 to 134, which we did in four months, it was holding people for, you know, accountable for recruiting and then selling the right way. So if, if you're working with a company, number one, that you don't believe in the product, you don't believe in the leaders, you need to run, you need to run quick. Yep. You're never going to scale it. You're never going to be successful. And you need to know that they have your back. Number two, if you want to scale a team based on opportunity for leads, yeah, vet a company, man. I mean, you know, if you're talking about the insurance industry, which I know very well, you know, and you talk about lead generation, you're right. For those of you that are in the insurance industry and that you're listening right now, there's a lot of people that give shitty leads and they are like cold con. They tell you it's a lead and it's not one. And uh, they're in the lead business. Let me tell you something. It's about the shadiest business on the planet. I mean, people, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of companies that resell you leads that they've already paid for 13 times just for their agents and, and they're getting screwed. It's not okay. Uh, but so when you're building that team and you're scaling, I know kind of a long answer, but from 20 to 40 or 60, you got to give good leads. You got to give opportunity when the ROI is there and you create a culture and environment that's, that's conducive of building leaders and actually wanting people to win. You can't lose if the leads are good. Yeah. You know, it's funny because we've, uh, if you think of a farm system in baseball, we we've created a farm system uh, organically of leads that come in the door for us. Uh, we're averaging anywhere between 30 and 40 a day through the different platforms that we have that come from the ecosystems that we're connected to. For example, I'll give you a quick example. Let's say you and I sat down and we formed a partnership because, you know, we, we understand how to do proper planning, not just from an insurance perspective, but right down the hall, we have our own registered investment advisory. Myself and David aren't fiduciaries, but we have a bunch of them down the hall on the wealth management side. And then when you look at the wealth management and then you factor it into how does insurance, whether it's an IUL, whether it's whole life plays in there. And yes, if anyone's going to pitch um, life insurance, a whole life has, as an investment with a dividend versus a Swiss army knife strategy that allows you leverage liquidity and control, two separate conversations. You know, we've created the culture on how to do that, including having the leads come in. Here's the challenge. 
the people that work with me right now, we went from six to 22 from number seven to 22. I didn't recruit one person. Every single person that works here recruited me to recruit them. That's what's happening. So for example, let's say you Todd special. I don't, I don't know what your community looks like. I'm just going to just use a number just to kind of throw this out there. Let's say you have a community that believes in you and they watch your stuff and they love your content and, and everything you bring is value. And then all of a sudden you're like, Hey, listen, I like Tony Robbins, who formed a partnership back in 2016 with um, Creative Planning, just formed a partnership with a company called Epic Financial Strategies. They have two other partners. One is Chris Crone, one is Sean Callagy. These guys and gals are up and coming. They're in the space of financial education. And I want to offer them to you free value from an education standpoint. If you and I shot videos together and we got our messaging in order, what would happen based on your community, all of a sudden, organically, there would be appointments that come to our door. What we're experts at is taking those appointments from Hello to Yes with Integrity through a success process. And that's been our secret model, how we've gone from, from eight to 600 to 800 new sales meetings a month throughout COVID. And by the end of the year, based on a couple other things hitting, we think we're going to be over 2,000 leads a month. That's awesome, brother. Congratulations. That's yeah. pretty cool. Thank you, man. And, and, and I think that what I'm, what I'm sharing with you is what I don't have is what you just described. I don't have uh, the recruitment model. We have, we have good leaders. We have good culture. We have good D DNA. Like everything here is on point. The messaging is there, but we don't have what you just described. That's yeah, what so, you know, the, the recruiting, you know, is something that, you know, a lot of people have kind of, you know, hired make sales great again, myself and, and my partner to come in and do, and the recruiting's, Dude, it's 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 really just holding people accountable. It's having hiring events, and people think that they have to be some large extravagant thing. Man, you could hire twenty people by spending one hundred and fifty bucks, and people are like, "How is that even possible?" It's it's just a process that we follow to help companies scale, and and we've done it in timeshare, we've done it in car sales, we've done it in insurance, we've done it in roofing, and it's really just building the team platform that proves that it can be done you know like like again you know when i had the luxury of working with apex and and uh hopefully i will forever uh but you know i i can say i'm todd special and i believe that i'm the best at sales i believe that i'm one of the best leaders and i believe this it's not ego uh that's just who i what i know that i'm good at, right Understood. like I, gravity you know, like gravity you understand who you are as a salesperson There's amen no yes sir and, and, you know, it's funny because when you take a platform where there's opportunity and you combine it with education that I've had from streets, negotiation, yard of sales, and you do it from an honesty, integrity-based platform, yep. it allows you opportunity for, and your company to scale. Because people, again, want to work with you. They don't want to feel like they work for you. I've got 18-year-old kids making $2,000 a week that are selling roofs right now, and, and they're loving it, right? And there's people that really see the opportunity in what this company has to offer, but it doesn't have to be roofs. It doesn't have to be car sales and timeshare. It doesn't have to be insurance. You create an environment and a culture, fun morning meetings, you know, uh, giving people recognition. You know, I can't tell you how many times people say, well, I, I'm not in it for the recognition. I just want the money. You know, it's funny. They're, they're the biggest complainers that when they don't get recognized, right? Like, <laughs> you know, I just need the money. And then you recognize somebody else and they go, dude, well, where's my trophy? Like, what, what are you talking about? Right. And we know this to be true in sales. So recognition, yeah. leadership, uh, knowing that titles don't matter and that you're willing to give them as much effort as they're willing to give you. There has to be equal accountability. When it comes from a recruiting standpoint, dude, you know, it, it's funny. People won't believe it until you do it. And just like me, again, I can say I'm the best leader and I can say I'm the best at sale. But Grant, Aaron, the owners of this company and the people that really just took Apex to another level, they, 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 they negotiated an offer and I said, okay, I came in. But let me tell you something. If I don't produce, then I'm just another fake. If I don't produce and I was just really good at selling and telling them and, and misguiding, misleading, if you will, what my capabilities were. People these days have that millennial mindset. They want the million bucks and they want it tomorrow. Yeah. And, and the, there is no substitution for hard work and effort. So I remember when we were negotiating, I said, listen, I don't need anything extra. I said, what I bring and what my company will bring and what I personally always say is that proof is in your effort. Your effort's what's going to give you the job. I know we've heard the saying, do the job you want before you have it, but I want to get paid on a commission basis. I, you know, if you're, if you're a guy that wants a salary out there, wrong choice. Uh, <laughs> the salary plus commission is still even wrong. I believe that you are the value that you put into something. So you can build that commission-based structure and scale teams 
very easily if the opportunity is fun and there's opportunity to earn from integrity-based and honesty standpoint, for sure. Good. I, I, I appreciate that. And I, and I look forward in the short term to have a conversation offline with you, no doubt about it. Um, sure. David, back to you, brother. Yeah, yeah. And so, and so Todd, from a... You know, from a visionary perspective, right, you obviously are, are ex experiencing wild success. Um, it, when did you identify that you wanted to take it also because we were talking about social media based um, uh, marketing? When did you realize you wanted to take it to podcast? Right. Talk a little bit about gut check, you know, uh, or gut punch. Uh, what is it? it was, I'm so sorry. Gut check and cut. Yeah. So it's <laughs> funny. Come up with the name. I remember Gut Check on Cut, and uh, it was me, just myself originally. And I brought in my partner, Brandon Biscay, who is just a massive addition to Gut Check on Cut. And uh, we start, I'll tell you the, the real reason why I started Gut Check on Cut. Uh, that first event I went to out in LA, uh, they told me, you're going to be on this big stage with all these huge speakers, like I said earlier. I get there on a Friday, and they go, you're speaking Friday. They go, wait, but the event's Saturday. They go, no, no, the event is Friday and Saturday. Now, remember, I flew from Orlando to LA. Okay, on my wife's birthday to get an opportunity to speak with Steinbrenner and, and you know, and, and Ashton Kutcher and all these guys. And I get there and I was speaking at a VIP dinner and the stage was, I shit you not, it had to be max six by six little box. <laughs> right? yeah. and, and I remember that there were so many people after I got done speaking at the event and, and what I said at the event, uh, what we could talk about afterwards, long story, but I called a lot of people out because they weren't respecting the speakers. Uh, I remember looking up at the ceiling and telling my father, I go, you know, the problem with, with a, a VIP dinner event is the round tables, right? So someone's back is always to the stage, which if you've ever had an event, guys, don't do that. It's the worst idea, Ooh, right? Yeah. So, you know, I tell people that there was plates clanking because it was a dinner while speakers were talking all this other shit. And here I am, like third to last speaker. And I remember getting on stage. I was like, don't do it. Don't do it. And I get on stage. And I looked up at my father and said, well, dad, this is it, right? You wanted me to be me, so I'm going to be me. Nobody knew my name. And, and I started, I got the microphone and I go, hello, is this thing on? <laughs> and the whole crowd that paid 10000 a seat turns around and they go, they're like, what the, who is this guy, right? They're like, what is this guy saying? And I said, I said, hey, I just want to make sure you guys can hear me, right? And because they introduced my name, like nobody turned around, right? Which I get because I wasn't anybody. Uh, but I remember telling them, I said, there's, you know, I, I was making sure the microphone was on. And I remember telling them, I said, now that I have everybody's attention, there's, there's, you know, a couple of things I want to go over. Number one, I want to thank the wait staff because no speaker before me thanked the wait staff and the service for the amazing service we've had tonight. And then number two, I want to thank the speakers before me who spoke. And there was like 10 of them because I don't think that they got the respect that they deserved while they were on stage. Hmm. Imagine there's a lot of people talking and I go, and I want to make sure you guys can hear this one more time, did it really loud. And the whole place was, well, I would say about three quarters of the place turned around. And then I said, there's only two things that I think that could have happened uh, prior to me getting on stage. You didn't listen or turn around because A, you think you know everything or B, you have too much money to care. Which one was it? Wow. And I just paused. And as we know, in speaking, silence is massive, right? And so sometimes as speakers, we want to run our mouths so, so much that there's a fluidity to speaking that you need to take that pause and you need to kind of relax because pausing is powerful, right? Voice inflection, as you said earlier, tonality, et cetera. And, and it's funny that, you know, we talk about this because I knew that there were speakers there that weren't doing the right thing. So when you talk about gut check on cut, after I spoke at the event, there was tons of people coming up to me, right? And I didn't know if I did good or bad. They were offering me free speaking opportunities, which they say that they have to, they normally charge people. They want to get my name out there and blah, 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 all this bullshit, right? And I'm from the streets. So the first thing I think of is what's the catch, right? That's what I always think of. I always think of the negative. What's the catch, right? Oh, yeah. So I remember talking to this guy and he tells me, he says, hey, Todd, uh, dude, I got an opportunity for you. And I got to tell you, I heard your speech last night. You should have been on the big stage, right? But it was amazing. And I only coach five people a year, but I got to tell you something. He goes, here's the cool thing about this. It's, and before you, I tell you the price, don't, don't get me like, whoa, like this, right? Because it's worth it. But I only coach five people. It's $125,000. But dude, let me tell you something. If you get my coaching, I'll make you millions. I'll make you millions of dollars. And I said, and I'm like, okay, so here I go. Cause I'm the sales guy. Right. So, so I had to mess with him. So I go, I go millions. I go, you mean like, like I'm going to be a millionaire. Like you're going to make me millions. 
this is what I do, Todd. This is, I am the best in the world, Todd. I'm going to, trust me, you fell into the right hands. Timing is always perfection. When it comes to people that I coach, I'm going to make you the best. So I said, okay. I said, so I'm going to make a deal for you. I said, if you know, and you said, like, I'm guaranteed to make millions, right? He says, yeah. I go, here's the deal. I'm going to make a deal with you. Instead of me charging, or you charging me $125,000 because I don't have it, uh, I'm going to give you 30% I love it. of the millions of dollars that love you said you make me. Yep. And he goes, well, that's not how we're going to wait a second. Now, I'm good at math. I go, yeah. so even if we just made one million instead of millions, plural, like you said, that's still 300 grand, which in my math is uh, 2.25, uh, 225% bigger than what you're trying to charge me for, right? And he goes, well, yep. yeah. Blah, 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 blah. And I said, here's the deal. I will, I will not work with you if there's an upfront cost. So he goes, well, that's not how I go. Thank you so much for your time. As I'm walking away, grabs my arm, which again, from New York, from the streets, first of all, you don't grab my arm walking away, but he, he grabs my arm and he says to me, he goes, hey, he goes, uh, what if I made you a deal? It's only, uh, uh, we'll do it for a hundred thousand. And all you gotta do is give me $10,000 down now. And then you give me 10,000 a month for the next uh, nine months. And we'll, we'll call it even, right? And I go, here's another deal. Because I was new to the speaking industry and I wanted to invest in myself. I'll, go, I'll give you 2500 bucks and I'll give you 50% of all of my earnings. Because if you believe that I'm going to make millions like you said that I would, that's a no-brainer deal that you got to take. Mm-hmm. And da, 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 no, no, no. I said, sir, I said, I want to thank you. He said, for what? He goes, you didn't even take my deal. And I go, because I'm going to say yes to everybody that you said no to that you're trying to rob. Mm-hmm. And I just wow. walked away. So what I realized is at that event in L.A., with all of those amazing people that there are, there are peer speakers out there, coaches, salespeople, speakers, uh, they're, they're, so many of them are so full of shit and such a shady industry that they were robbing people. So gut check was created originally until I spent a shit ton of money on an attorney and told me not to do it for defamation of character and slander. I was going to call out all the thieves in the world that I knew were thieves. And I was getting messages from people telling me about how they're getting robbed for people that were creating apps that were creating, you know, yep. uh, training yep. platforms that yep. they never, they, yep. they, they never did. They would take the money and they would run. They would never talk to these people. So gut check was spawned from that originally. Then I realized uh, about a year later that I could help more people by getting good information from good people doing the right thing and impact lives rather than calling out the assets. Right. So gut check was changed. I brought on Brandon, who was my uh, co-host to gut check and, we're two different dudes. He's like the uh, computer tech kind of really cool swaggy geek a little bit. Uh, <laughs> he's a brilliant human being, one of the best sales guys on the planet. And he cares about people probably more than anyone. Uh, and then you have me, you know, I'm the tattooed guy that nobody thought would make it. And uh, we've become very, very tight and uh, we've created a platform that people love and it's scaled tremendously. So we're super, super blessed to have that show. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that journey, by the way. And thank you for sharing that experience. Quick question. Cause I missed the beginning. Well, you're from New York. Which which part of New York? Is that correct? Uh, yeah, we're right. 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 Okay. Yeah, right. I, grew, uh, right. I grew up in between Henrietta and Pittsburgh off Pinnacle Drive. Is that near you? Yeah. Well, that's where my father's from. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Awesome. Yep. It's rugged there. And now you live down in Florida, correct? Yeah, I live in Orlando. Yes, sir. Hey, listen. I don't know if you're going to be. Uh, how far is that from Miami? A couple hours. Uh, about four. Yeah, about four hours. Yeah. Got a big event coming up down there, November twentieth and twenty first, um, for American Foundation for the Blind Charity Gala. I'll, I'll talk to you offline about it. But it yeah, be, do that. Reach out to me. Yeah. No doubt about it. Uh, but I want to talk to you about the recruiting thing anyway. Listen, I know Please. it's seven fifty three, and his energy is incredible. I love if, if anybody has any questions. No doubt to be able to to spend some one on one time with Todd and be able to ask any questions. Absolutely, no doubt. So, if anybody has a question for Todd, do, yep, we want to be respectful of Todd's time. So, if you have a question for Todd, please put it in the chat and/or go ahead and raise your hand or unmute yourself and put it out there for a question for Todd. <clears throat> a couple moments here. Who's okay. Up? How did you hire? Oh, this is a great one. How, uh, this comes in from Nikhil Bond. This is, how did you hire your first sales agent? Oh, good question. Mm. Uh, by, by not asking the right questions and hoping instead of, uh, instead of knowing, right? So, uh, you know, it's funny when we start hiring salespeople and we start hiring, uh, you would like to think skilled salespeople, you know, as a company and you want to grow, you think that just anybody, I had a conversation with a guy named Kevin, who is, uh, you know, a guy that I have a luxury of working with. And he says to me, you know, some people just want heartbeats because they can believe everybody's trainable. 
what companies don't realize is that the amount of time you spend trying to train someone who is not a right fit, who isn't there, doesn't have the right core values so that the company has, oh, it's man. wasted money and it costs you a ton of money to retain. So I made the wrong decision just by hiring someone because they said they were amazing at sales. So uh, I learned from that and realized that a vetting process is important. I mean, you, you got to know that these people are in alignment with what you and your company want to do. And if they're not, I don't care if they're the best salespeople in the world. The biggest piece of advice for any company is that most companies, the top 20% of your salespeople uh, consist of 80% of the company's revenue, right? And those are the top people that are crushing. So a lot of people are afraid to get rid of that top 20%, these companies that are making a lot of money because they're like, dude, that's the money in my pocket. Well, they don't realize that one cancer could be the number one salesperson in your company can ruin opportunity for the rest of the people. So my advice in hiring the salespeople is just do a vetting process and make sure that uh, they upline with your core values. Awesome. Next question comes in from David Hammer. What kind of legacy would you like to leave in the world? Mm. Oof. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I literally get the chills when I'm asked this question every time. You know, I didn't know what I want, the legacy that I wanted to leave. Uh, until my dad had passed away. And, uh, you know, I remember laying next to my dad when he told me to write my book and et cetera. And I remember the day before he passed away, I'm holding my father's arm like this. And I talked about this on stage when I was on stage with Les Brown. And, and I said, uh, my dad couldn't hear me. They have them all drugged up. And he says, uh, I told him, I said, hey, dad, you know, I'm going to write the book. I'm going to speak on stage. I'm going to change and I'm going to impact lives. I'm going to help people realize that they can win. And I didn't know he could hear me. And I got two squeezes like this as his arm is on mine. And I get, sorry, I get emotional even thinking about it now. Uh, but it's crazy how one moment like this, two, two squeezes lit a fire under me uh, that really allowed me to see who I needed to become. I needed to become the person that's going to impact lives, whether there was money attached to it or not. And what I realized is that leaving a legacy of impacting lives in a positive way, helping people when they're down and continuing to help them rise when they're up. Clapping for, for people when they win was a legacy that I wanted to leave. And it's funny when you do that and you actually aren't the asshole who doesn't share the sales skills. It doesn't, you know, a lot of top reps don't want to share their secrets and right. tricks because they don't. when you're the person that does and you actually care about people, that legacy will allow you to earn more money than you can ever imagine. You're not even trying to do it. So I want to leave a legacy of impacting lives and knowing that I made a difference. But for outstanding answer. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for getting emotional. Absolutely. Todd, you got a couple more minutes because we got a couple more questions. Yeah, yeah, coming in. Sure. One, of, one of them comes back from Nikhil. I'd love to see you live. When is your next live event? Hmm. Yeah, so I'm in Orlando, October 14th, October 28th. I'm speaking for the Osceola, Connor, uh, Osceola Realtors Convention here in Orlando. Uh, and I've got two events that we're working on signing those deals in November as well. But if you guys like, I'm going to post them on my website. If you just go to ToddSpecial.com, uh, you'll have all the events there. You guys can see what's coming next. Fantastic. This one comes in from Parker Russo. Parker Russo. Yes, sir. Well, who are some? He's of a millennial, by the way. Yes, he is. He's as millennial as they get. I love him. Who are some? By of the way, success? Parker. Just so you know, sorry, Parker. I I, I brought him to the gala last week. Ten thousand dollar ticket. Just so you know, and his job was to take pictures of me when I was speaking to people. Next thing I know, I look over and he's talking to all the celebrities on his own. Because Parker is a celebrity in his own right. Yes, it was a great teaching moment. Oh man. Uh, yep, he he comes in and he asks, uh, who who are some of the success leaders you mirror and model in your life? Yeah, so I will tell you this. Um, so number one, my mentor is Danelle Delgado. It's not Hello? Danielle Delgado. Okay, D A N E L L. Oh, sorry. Hey, yeah. Hey, Danny, do me a favor. Go ahead and just uh, go ahead and mute uh, Gaffard there for a moment. Gaffard, we're just going to put you on mute there for a second, brother. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Danny. Go for it. So Sorry about Danielle that. Delgado is my mentor, and she is a, a champion. She has uh, just impacted more lives than anybody I know. I'm probably one of the most real person uh, that you'll ever meet, period. That's it. Uh, another guy by the name of Jason Cisneros, who's an awesome dude, who has a company called Anton J. Jason Cisneros is awesome. Uh, these are people and probably names. Danelle is, is huge right now, and she is continuing to scale and so deserving of that. Um, Jason is kind of a, he does a great job speaking and he's a brilliant mind. He's, he doesn't really care about social media and stuff like that because he's got not uh, enough money not to care, but he's just a great person. So these may not be people that you have heard of, uh, but Danelle Delgado taught me a long time ago, uh, one of the major rules for me. God, yeah. hold on. That's, I heard something amazing. 
um, write down 10 things every morning that you're grateful for plus three goals. Yes. Just check it at the end of the night. Yeah. And the three goals need to be attainable, by the way. One of the hardest things for me to learn that Danelle taught me was that the 10 things that you're grateful for, it, it can be some similar things. I challenge you to think of uh, different things every day. It's harder than you think. Uh, but it's, it's easy when you get the hang of it and you can repeat the same things like, you know, your children, your wives and other stuff like, but you want to get creative on things that you're thankful for that you're having the ability to read, see, hear, listen, eat right by yourself, have hands, feet, whatever. Right. But the three goals, the most important thing, excuse me, that I learned from the three goals is that you want to make sure that it's an attainable goal for that day. Not like I want to be a millionaire, right. Yeah. In the intern sales, I want to write, uh, you know, 20,000 annual life premium today, whatever, right? You want to do something, right? But something that is attainable and then revisit it at night before you go to bed and make the adjustments to, to hit those goals the following day. And that's something I learned from Danelle that I'll never forget and I'll never stop. Thank you for sharing that. That's a deep level monitor and measuring. Uh, all day. The last one coming in uh, because we want to be in time integrity for you, Todd. This comes in from our friend who has just rejoined us, Stefan Wirtz. Welcome back, Stefan. Happy to have you here, brother. I don't know everything, he says, but I don't, uh, I don't have enough money not to care. What was your career breakthrough moment? I love that. Uh, you know, it was funny The when I really realized what I wanted to do in life was when I was running a, a team in the timeshare industry. And uh, I remember that there was a young kid who'd been through a lot in life and he had come up and he wasn't the best salesperson, but he asked me to help him. He wasn't on my team. And uh, so I started helping him. And in the first, like, I would say three months, I was training teams on how to sell timeshare. I've never done it before. And I remember sitting down uh, with a group of people. And one of the directors who I was working, that was my boss at the time, comes over to me and he says, uh, hey, Todd, you got a phone call downstairs. And I said, okay. So I go downstairs and there's no phone call. And he, I go, dude, what, what are you doing? I'm trying to help these people. There's like 20 people you know, upstairs and I'm trying to assist. And he goes, uh, they're not on your team and they're not going to do shit for you. So why would you help them? Wow. So I realized that, you know, when, when you're a, a, a let's say a top salesperson, whether you're lying, good, not whatever. The, the consensus is don't share your information because they might outperform you. Yeah. They're scared, right? Don't, don't, give them the, don't give them the tools and, the, and, the, and there is no tricks, but don't give them the skill. My breakthrough moment was then because I realized that I want to help all the people that other people don't want to help. I want to be the guy that gives everything that I have to help people succeed. And that kid that was there one day came to me and he said, yeah, I didn't know this, but he took a bus, three buses to get to work every day. And uh, he was homeless for about seven months. That kid his first year working with me, not for, uh, but made $118,000 in the timeshare industry. And I realized that I don't want to be the type of leader that doesn't change lives. I want to be impacting and I want to be helping people on a constant basis, but I'm not going to do it from a greed standpoint. I don't care if they're on my team or off my team. And it's funny because I would have these trainings at this timeshare place and you know, a hundred people would show up, 200 people would show up and uh, the, the timeshare uh, company would have a mandatory training and then like maybe 10 people would show up. <laughs> so they would not go to the mandatory training, but they'd all come to mind from all different resorts all over the place because I was willing to share information. That was a turning point for me that I knew that my, my goal in life was to help people that grew up in very humble beginnings like me or rich as shit when they were younger create a life of abundance by impacting lives. And if I can do that, then I know I've won. Brother, you're a student of the game, no doubt about it. And you're manifesting it every day uh, for all of us to see. Thank you for sharing everything today. I look forward to, to having a private potential conversation as far as ecosystem merger. Did you want to share anything else? And, and Todd, I can't thank you enough for your time tonight. I, I can't yet. Can't thank you enough, guys. Again, Success Leaves Clues podcast is Gut Check Uncut, CEO of Make Sales Great Again. This is uh, Todd Special. And uh, Todd, what would you leave right before we, we finish up tonight? What would you leave for all the aspiring salespeople that are out there? Right. What's you know, just leave them with one last golden nugget, brother, you know, in terms of pursuing their dreams, doing it with integrity. Drop the mic. Yeah. So, you know, we it's funny that we've been on a podcast for an hour, an hour and 10 minutes, whatever. Right. And I look at a time frame, and people don't realize that what we hear, we only retain about 30% of when we have, when we get off this podcast, right? Which is the reason why it's good that you guys record this. You can play it over again. You know, in two weeks, uh, you're going to remember 5% of 10%. That's just the way, that's what it is, right? Yep. Um, and people don't realize this. So I'm going to say it again, because it's the most important thing that I live by. If you're in sales, mark my words, 
you will make way more money and be way more successful if you do it from a very honest and integrity-based standpoint. It's what makes sales great again was created by, it's teaching people to lead and sell with honesty and integrity. There's a lot of people that cut corners, don't do it. Don't lie to people. Don't um, uh, judge them. Don't don't stretch anything. A lot of people say, I want to stay in the gray. Uh, okay, there's some grayer that's okay, and there's some that isn't. But you want to do it the right way because you'll get more referrals. Your sale, again, a lot of companies will write business, and, and they'll cancel within a certain cancellation period. In, in the financial industry, has created more millionaires than any business out there by far. The biggest problem with the financial industry and renewals is that if you're not pitching from an integrity-based standpoint, you're going to lose the deals that you're selling. So why are you lying to them? Exactly. Write a smaller deal, be honest with them, and keep the deals. Exactly. You're, you're in the financial industry to retire, to live off your renewals. Yeah. That's the goal, right? right? So sell from an honesty and integrity-based standpoint every single time, and I promise you, your lives will change. Oh, yeah. Drop the mic on that. We are Infinity X, where every Tuesday we give a stage and microphone to human excellence. Major Todd Special. To major shout-out to our partner, Wayne Rice. Major shout-outs. Yep, absolutely. Major um, shout-out to Wayne Rice. Rice. Wayne is on here tonight. Yep. And every single Tuesday, we're bringing value. Todd, special. You have brought nugget after nugget. We see you in our future, brother. Can't wait to, you know, co-create and have conversation. One of my more exciting interviews, just so you know. Very. I appreciate it, Todd. You brought brought it tonight. No doubt about it. Thank you so much. Appreciate it very much. Thank you guys for having me. Pat, thank you for being with us, Todd. And until next week, folks, we are Infinity X. We will see you next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Again, this was Todd's special replays on YouTube. Replay is on Facebook. Or message us if you'd like to have a conversation, or a conversation with Todd, conversation with us. We look forward to seeing you guys next week on another session of We Are Infinity X. WeAreInfinityX.com. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Infinity X. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube by searching We Are Infinity X. Until next time.